Capcom presents. I've covered wars, you know. They accept all my imperfections. Sorry for the disconnection. But here's all the missing sections. You know Mega Brand came equipped with weapons. I don't mean Smith and Wesson's, but the gun smoke will choke ya. We do it for the culture. Lights of the round controllers up in holsters. It's a beautiful world. I'm smelling everything. Take flight and soar on legendary wings. No swagger from Mike Hagger. Wrestler turned mayor, turned teacher, turned rapper with mad gear. Leveled up from last year. Trust me, it's dynamite from the third strike to final fight. So I'm gonna stay locked in since 83, way past 2010. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap Community Podcast. So I'm gonna stay locked in since 83, past 2K10. You never heard of this live ass, the Cap Community Podcast. So who cares if he covered wars? Exactly. Like, really? It's kind of a big deal. What have you done today? I've I've covered covered the... video game news. <laughs> Not even that. You haven't even done that. <laughs> you played Mega Man X3. I have. Hello. This Hi. is episode 13 of the Capcom Unity official podcast. Uh, why don't we go around and say who we are, starting with you. Yuri. I'm Yuri, the Monster Hunter Kid. And yes, that's all. Blood type. Huh? Blood type. Blood type. I have no idea. Like, if there was an actual zombie apocalypse and I needed blood transfusion, a zombie would be just as good as a... I don't know. Don't ever tell a Japanese you don't know your own blood type. Really? I think you're insane. Yeah, I don't know mine either. And I got a lot of crap for that. <laughs> it is... Cr- yeah, they, yeah, they always, like... They're always, like, taken aback. Like, yeah. what? Why would you not know that? And it is important to know, I guess, for things like transfusions. True. Hey, I know... I, uh, most Japanese don't know it for transfusion purposes. They know it for, like, superstitious... Right, uh, right, right. Zodiac uh, type purposes. Well, I got no a little swept Japan. away. I got hey, a little yeah. swept up in that. Not to alarm you or any Japanese listeners, but A, I don't know my blood type, and B, this is episode 13. <gasps> Very okay. inauspicious, ba, ba, ba. Yuri. Well, it's not Friday. Bad so start. Bad. No, this but is going to go will, live Friday. It will go live on oh, no. Friday. It is not Friday the 13th. But uh, Too bad. All right. And you are. <laughs> I'm David Chrislip, a special guest star. Yes, joining us once again. Two, two episodes in a row. I mean, you're becoming back a regular. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, I'm Greg Moore, also known as Gregoman. Um, and I'm sort of the uh, MC, if you will. I'm also kind of a jock, kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so yeah, today we're here to talk about Dead Rising. Chop till you drop. Which, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's actually the one thing about Dead Rising that I know virtually nothing about. Um, but uh, we have Dead Rising 3 launching today, uh, by the time you guys hear this podcast, today uh, for the PC. And we're all very excited about that. Unlike the console version, Capcom actually published this one, so... Um, We've been promoting the ever-loving crap out of it, <laughs> and it's just a super fun game. It's it's sort of the culmination of a lot of you know ideas in progress, I guess you could say, of the the past games. But uh, the whole series is, uh, I think, there, there's a lot that's unique and a lot that's lovable about the series. So I just wanted to do a, an overall appreciation episode. But before we get into that, quick news segment, which I wanted to start doing again. Uh, news of the last couple weeks. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 was announced at PAX Prime in Seattle. Uh, that will be coming to both next-gen and current-gen. I don't know if that nomenclature is still accurate. At some point, we have to start yeah, saying current-gen current and last-gen. Last yeah. And yeah. also PC. 
Which uh, is ever gen. Which is so just yes. <laughs> but uh, we released uh, a little concept trailer. We haven't shown the gameplay yet, but uh, definitely more news coming quite soon. So look forward to that. Um, and of course, Dead Rising 3 Apocalypse Edition comes out today for PC. Uh, please pick that up if you like fun things. It is most certainly that. Uh, the Apocalypse Edition moniker just means that you get all the uh, add-on DLC chapters for, for nothing. Yeah, for doing nothing. Speaking of zombies, have you, uh, we should direct people to, uh, you know, in addition to Revelations 2, we're also uh, releasing uh, a remastered version of the original ah. Resident Evil on GameCube. Yeah. And uh, we added a new feature uh, to the site earlier this week, where if you go there, you can uh, register by email or a Facebook account and other various means. And you can actually be issued a, a zombification, zombification certificate uh, from the <laughs> Raccoon City Hospital, which you can then share to your Facebook wall if you're interested in such things. So if you head over to ResidentEvil.com, uh, click on the Resident Evil official website link, and uh, you will find a link to that campaign there. Social there activations, go. guys. Do it. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it then. So De Dead Rising. I've been thinking probably too much about this series all week because I'm trying to write another one of these think piece blogs. I don't know if people listening have checked out. Uh, every week I've been doing a, quote, feature blog. Uh, I did one about how Street Fighter and Monster Hunter are fundamentally the same idea. <laughs> and uh, another one about localization following up on last uh, podcast. That was excellent. Man. Oh, thank you. And I've got another one cooking for Dead Rising that is it's kind of mind-bending. I'm, I'm hurting <laughs> my my own head trying to think about it. But I, I won't get too deep into that. But I do just want to, well, let me back up and just say, like, when when this, when this the first game came out, I think it kind of blew a lot of minds, you know? And, mm. I mean, there's, like, the initial reaction of just, like, wow, I can't believe how many zombies we're seeing on screen. This is, this is the next gen. This was... Uh, was it a launch title for Xbox 360? It or was, it... was. It came out uh, shortly after launch. It was August release the year after. Uh, okay, so in yeah. Japan, it was the same year it was released. Oh, it came that's out right. There, nearly a year. I remember, I was actually in launch Japan. Window. I was in Japan studying abroad for the 360 release. I was only in Japan for like three and a half months during that, and it just happened to... I remember passing by Bic Camera one day and there's a line just going wrapping basically all they around the, the entire city of Nagoya. The Yodobashi camera where <laughs> I bought my 360 in Umeda. They had a bunch of staff there and they were ready for lines. Uh -huh. It was me, the other Gaijin that was with me, and like one <laughs> other dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 360 uh, launch, at least in Nagoya, it was, it was pretty big. Um, then, yeah, I guess it was it was the following summer that uh, my brother picked up uh, his own 360 and it was like one of those refurbished like they just sell it to you in like a plastic bag <laughs> you know <laughs> and like wired controllers uh but he picked up dead rising and it was just mind-blowing just the scope of it you know coming off uh something like dynasty warriors 2 which hung its hat in the ps2 era on the number of npcs it could display on screen but this was just uh, a whole separate ballpark you know but you know beyond that initial reaction i think uh it kind of surprised people with uh, the way the game actually works. You know, it's like, if you watch the old trailers and stuff, it, it just shows Frank West, who's sort of this everyman character, just like bashing zombies and, uh, you know, just picking up anything he wants in the mall and just slaughtering zombies and, whoa, crazy, wackadoodle fun. But 
the game had this uh, structure, and you, you guys know what I'm talking about. But there's there's a time limit. It's a 72-hour time limit, which is not literal 72 hours. It's in-game time. Uh, if you don't do certain things, you don't trigger certain events uh, at the right times, uh, you basically fail to see those events through and then can't see the main storyline through. Uh, but the weird thing that I think is like super unique, not a lot of games have ever done this, um, when you fail to see the storyline through, you do not lose, you do not have to start over. It gives you three options. You can either load your game and basically turn back the clock. Uh, you can just keep playing, <laughs> or you can save and start the whole game over. <laughs> your levels wow. intact. Yeah, and it's like I was just thinking about like how much I mean like I think when people first saw that a lot of people were kind of frustrated because they're like I just want to kill zombies. But if you think about it that like no game respects your choices that much where it's <laughs> like this is this is a real scenario. These th these events are really happening whether you acknowledge them or not. Uh, and if you do not acknowledge them, if you just choose to like run away from the reality and just goof off in the mall and try on sundresses, you're free to do that. But that is an actual <laughs> choice that you are making, and like you're missing the boat. And that is a choice you made to miss. It's like if you look at other open world games, like uh, the GTA's, or I guess to use a Capcom example, the Japanese release of GTA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sort of. You know. You have the story. You have like the main story, and you have an open world. And the main story just sits and waits on your map for you for whenever you're ready. And if you don't, mm -hmm. uh, if, you know, if you want to spend 500 hours goofing off and killing people, that story is still waiting for you. You don't miss anything. It's it's like those 500 hours that you're goofing off didn't even happen. Yeah. Did uh, either of you guys play uh, Dragon Quarter? Is it Breath of Fire? No. Uh, we have we have a pal, um, Pat, who's a, he's like a super fan, and he. When I, I I was sort of polling our community to see like what 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 do you like about Dead Rising if you like Dead mm -hmm. Rising and uh, he chimed in and he's like I love that it shares the Dragon Quarter structure he did bring that yeah up. and yeah. unsurprisingly it shares a lot of team overlap oh, yeah. as well which should huh. shock no one confirmed both of those <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered about that mm -hmm. I mean there's so few games that do that. So, so David, you're you were involved in the game. Can you tell us? I was. In what capacity? Um. So, uh, I was involved from fairly early on. I did the uh, the English script uh, translation, which was much more involved than your typical uh, script mm. translation. I wasn't just given like an Excel and told to to write it one to one. Uh, it was much more collaborative process. Mm. I worked with a really good writer, who, if I'm not mistaken, also wrote Dragon Quarter, a gentleman wow. by the name of uh, Makoto Ikehara. Um, and he put together, you know, usually when you get scripts like this at a Japanese company, you get them in Excel format and it's just treated as data. But he actually formatted this like a Hollywood script. Oh, okay. Um, like a movie script, like a shooting script, a screenplay, uh, if you will. Um, and I was given enough freedom to, to kind of make suggestions and rewrite things as, as the need arose. I was given access uh, to Ikehara-san so that we could discuss and, uh, and find ways to improve. So that was a really, really cool experience. Uh, with that, so I was involved in that script translation. I was involved in the uh, the, the motion capture hmm. as well. I did not actually put on a suit or anything, but I did, uh, you know, I did things like I held there was a point where Brad uh, gets knocked backwards through a door in the game, and me and hmm. this other guy held like a giant cardboard tube firmly in the air while the <laughs> actor like threw himself through it. 
Oh, wow. For instance, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, so I did that. I was uh, uh, attended the uh, the voice recordings uh, in Los Angeles uh, as well. Um, so I had probably much more heavy involvement in that title than almost anything else that I've worked on, actually. Wow. Um, in fact, the Dead Rising moniker itself, uh, if I may humble brag for a moment, was uh, <laughs> born from my brain. <laughs> wow. And what was the thought process there? Just kind of like... Uh, well, I think initially that there was kind of a, a desire. A lot of people kind of wanted to lean toward uh, a naming, a nomenclature that would uh, mention malls and shopping, mm. which would be kind of a clever uh, you know, thing to do, except that would I felt like that would limit what you could do in sequels mm. because then everything would oh, yeah. be a mall or else it's it would the start Resident to Evil problem sense. all over again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would make sense to have Dead in there, and I thought that uh, Rising kind of gives kind of a sense of dread like there's something under the surface something yeah. something happening rumblings somewhere um so it, it kind of started like the beginning of, uh, of a saga so to speak hmm. it's a strong title you know it's funny like uh capcom had already kind of established itself as like the zombie game guys mm-hmm. with resident evil and to be able to to do that again with a new series and for that to really have its own identity like that that seems like a pretty big challenge to me and i think yeah. uh, you've seen where that leads now where we have three out and it's every every game is a million seller at least so <laughs> not to mention the spin-offs right with the, the with off chop, the record off and, the record yeah, chop, even chop till you drop yeah. on the <laughs> iphone no it's <laughs> on well, we I think there's a, isn't there also an iPhone version? There's some iteration on, on ah, iPhone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I don't remember the name. Played it on a plane for a while. Well, those those were a slight different take on it because, mm-hmm. uh, of course, they couldn't do the ridiculous number of zombies on screen. But I remember reading like, no, the the point that we're taking from the main series is that you can use pretty much anything to kill zombies, mm-hmm. right? So we're not. It's not about hundreds of zombies. It's about using your tool set yep. mm-hmm. and improvising. And making silly Which gestures is sort of yeah. It's sort of another take on the whole survival idea, where it's yeah. like you don't have to manage. Like there is item management. It's not the same kind of constrictive system that it was in the early Resident Evil games, but uh, it's this idea that you're you're just pick up and go with anything right. around you. And really, that was the core, I think, of the, of the concept of the title. Um, apparently, and I heard this secondhand. Uh, the, the real genesis of this idea. Uh, apparently, some some gentlemen uh, from Capcom Japan were here in the states uh, with an American uh, member of Capcom Japan, and they went to a fast food restaurant. And uh, the American member proceeded after he got his tray with his burger and fries to go over and grab a, a giant handful of ketchup packets <laughs> and a huge stack of napkins, <laughs> as Americans are wont to do. They do. Uh, proceeded to then uh, use one ketchup packet on his fries, you know, daintily wiped his lips with the top napkin on the stack, and <laughs> threw everything in the trash. Wow. And the CJ guys were like, what the hell are you doing, man? And he's like, well, this is, this is how we work here, man. We're the land of plenty. We're consumers. <laughs> we, we consume yeah. things. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't say that we're all like that, but certainly from the outside looking in, I think uh, American culture has that that sort of, uh, you know, there's that image of kind of the, the greed and the consumption. And... Yeah, and I think the CJ guys saw that and they thought, you know, what if we did a game where <laughs> it was literally pick up anything you want, use it, smack an enemy with it once, boom, toss it aside, pitch it, you don't need it anymore. Yeah, wow, just yeah. the idea of wastefulness and consumption. Yeah. And then I think that shines through in the in the storyline and the themes of the game as well. So, yeah. it, <laughs> And so there's the setting too. Like, first it's the mall and there's mm-hmm. a casino and... Like, there's always lots of stuff to do. Yeah. And then just an entire American city. (laughs) Like, like that's, I think, one of the more overt themes in in the series is that sort of 
you know, at least poking a little fun at American excessiveness. But it's also, I mean, just getting back to the gameplay system, I think it's so just intriguing that you have this whole main storyline set up, but they also like give equal weight to you know the possibility that someone will just be like screw the story i just want to kill zombies yeah and you can totally just do that too and it it like it explicitly acknowledges that by asking when you fail the, so- the story if you want to keep playing mm. it's like and it's a funny thing because I, I remember like back when the first game came out you'd hear from more casual gamers including my brother he would be kind of frustrated he'd be like dude i bought this game because i wanted to just like sandbox and mess around with zombies and right, like, but right. there's like this time limit that I'm I'm stuck on but it's like the only punishment for not sticking to the time limit is that it takes that story away so that all you can do is sandbox around and kill zombies <laughs> so yeah. don't worry about it mm-hmm. yeah so I actually I have a question then uh, regarding the new one because mm-hmm. I haven't haven't played it yet but mm-hmm. I know you have Greg yep um, so when you have um, you're killing all the zombies but there is a story, like you said. Are certain sections of the city blocked off because of the story, or can you really go anywhere? I don't think they're blocked off by the story. I think, uh, you know, there's like, because it's in the aftermath of, well, not, not the aftermath, but during the zombie apocalypse, uh, a lot of the roads connecting sectors of the city are um, run down or destroyed, so uh, right, right. you have to sometimes get out of the car and traverse on foot uh there are there are some i guess there are some moments where a specific path might be blocked off but uh even in the original i was gonna say there's uh, there's a portion of the mall that's actually blocked off unless you proceed a certain amount through, through, through mm-hmm. the game and it's actually fairly early on mm-hmm. but i know mm-hmm. some people were not crazy about that because they basically wanted to play the game wrong and just jump <laughs> like idiots, yeah. <laughs> which is perfectly fine but yeah. you can't do it in the whole mall unless you get past a certain amount of gameplay yeah, and uh, I guess the big difference with Dead Rising 3 is that you're you're in a truly open world for the first time. There's no seams, there's no real loading throughout the game. Um, fully co-opable, too, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, they've sort of loosened it up a little bit. There's still a time limit, but it's way more lenient. Uh, I think they, they kind of realized who the bulk of their audience is with the series. And then they were like, but, you know, there's, there's Nightmare Mode, which... How was you going to ask about that? Basically makes it... <laughs> acknowledging that the previous games in the series were a nightmare. <laughs> because it basically just plays like the old games. But um, I think that's the way to do it, you know? They basically just flipped it. Because the old games had the like the endless mode. Yeah. Uh, but you had to unlock it by playing the... What is now known as nightmare mode. <laughs> which right. was normal at the time. Uh, I think you, sh- you should start with the accessible mode. And then give the nightmare version to the people who want it. So, I guess this was like two or three months ago at this point. We we're doing our Throwback Thursday live streams, which we do every week. Uh, we just play an old game for a while. Um, we were playing Shadow of Rome, and I couldn't help but notice repeatedly that it just looks and feels a lot like Dead Rising. This was a 2004 game, I think. Four or five, because I've worked on it in four. Might have come out in five. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you're playing, as, and that's a game that takes place in ancient Rome, and you're, like, this brute gladiator guy for half the game, and then this, like, effeminate stealthy guy for the other half. Um, but, um, you know, you're playing through the, the gladiator segments, and 
just everything about it, even like the the way it looks, but also the way like uh, it's Octavianus. I think he's the. See the Octavianus is a stealth guy. He's a stealth Agrippa guy. Is Agrippa, Agrippa, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Agrippa, um, he even kind of has like a similar build, and mm -hmm. just sort of like this whole. <laughs> and then like after playing that, I would go back to Dead Rising and be like, man, why is Frank West such a lumbering Hulk? <laughs> 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 uh, but and like little things like I think uh, Frank gets like this. Uh, he can do like a, a cheering taunt move at least in. Uh, off the record and it's, it's mm -hmm. to attract the attention of the zombies and it looks a lot like the uh agrippa doing his um are you not entertained yeah style. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the crowd riled up thing and just like the feel of the combat there's mm -hmm. lots of like these sort of lunging swings and you're yeah, just picking, picking up things up from yeah, the environment exactly the immediacy of that also doesn't don't the weapons have also a durability meter yes just they like do yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah, no, there, uh, there's some team overlap, I think, in those games as well. Uh, different director, different producer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Shadow of Rome, actually, Onosan produced that. And, oh. uh, Eshiro San, who a lot of people might know now from DMC or from uh, the Ace Attorney games, mm -hmm. uh, he directed that. And then on uh, Dead Rising, uh, Kawano-san, of course, is the, the director. Um, multiple producers involved, even from Onosan and, and, and some other guys. Mm -hmm. um, but there was some overlap, I think, in, uh, in some of the designers. Uh, for sure. I mean, you can feel that in hmm. there. Uh, there was some time overlap as well. I think a lot of the late era PS2 games, you know, your Onimusha 3s, your Shadow of Rome's, I think they were tech-wise getting close to where they ended up with MT Framework. Hmm. So I think hmm. uh, the game started to, you started to, to see a little bit more of a unification, I think, in the way that huh. some Capcom games looked and felt at the end of the PS2 era. Hmm. Sort of an ancestor in a lot of ways. Go back, guys. Like, if you have the means, it's not on PSN or anything, but if you have a PS2 and can track that down, check out Shadow of Rome back-to-back -back with the first Dead Rising, mainly, I think, because mm -hmm. after that, they switched to uh, Cap Capcom Vancouver and a separate engine. But um, well, The other similarity, too, I think there was... Uh, it was rare for Japanese companies, certainly at the time, to go with, like, a Joe Everyman-type approach yeah. to the characters, mm -hmm. and that applies both to Agrippa uh, huh. And of course, to Frank, because you know most Japanese games, certainly of the era, would lean much toward, the, much more toward the Octaviana style of yeah. character design, the younger right. uh, characters. Um, and I think uh, you know Dead Rising, and, and to a lesser degree, maybe Shadow of Rome, showed that uh, Capcom was a little more willing, I think, than other companies at the time, I think more globally, to think more about what kind of characters would appeal uh, to the more adult uh, gamers yeah. in North America and elsewhere. Which, interestingly, I've actually read uh, some articles breaking down why. Japanese gamers would tend to prefer uh, youthful protagonists, mm -hmm. like you see in, in a lot of the RPGs, you know, the young amnesiac that must save the yeah. world, that sort of thing. <laughs> There's cultural reasons for that. I think um, most uh, Americans, they will look up to, when they're younger, they'll look up to adults and they want to be an adult. They want to have the freedom to do what they want to do. They want to be the grizzled space marine. Right, uh, you know, right. They, they, they want to be a badass. Uh, well, hardcore. action heroes too. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. We have kind of a tradition of that. Oh, yeah. And I think in Japan and... Uh, you know, once again, no offense to any Japanese in the audience. <laughs> adult life in Japan is not always fun. Uh, the life of a salary man yeah. is, is kind of uh, kind of crummy a lot of the time. You're very busy, you work way more than you should, spend a lot of time on rush hour trains. So you have kind of an opposite effect where instead of being, instead of looking forward to the future like we do, they tend to be more nostalgic for the past. When they play a game, uh, their right. escapism is less they want to be a grizzled space marine and more huh. they want to be a pure young character before the huh. business world beat them wow. down and, and ruined their lives. I remember it was <laughs> it was near uh, on PS3 360. I forget if it was both versions, but uh, they had uh, 
two different looks for the protagonist, uh, depending on the uh, the region. Hmm. I don't know if it was actually in game or if that was just what they showed on the box. There was an old, there was like an older, like grizzled dude for the Western version, and then like like you said, like a young a young man. <laughs> I always thought it was just that uh, they didn't think Westerners would want like an effeminate character <laughs> on the box. Hmm. That totally makes sense. So it's more to do with age than the actual look itself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's culture reasons for all that kind of thing. Nothing, design doesn't happen in a vacuum. I think the more you understand about uh, you know, different tastes and the cultural reasons for mm -hmm. that different region, the wider variety of games you can enjoy because you'll have more context. It's funny, Shadow of Rome actually gives you a little both, you know, yeah. with the yeah. two protagonists. Okay. And then the context with which they're in, too, because one of them is the gladiator, and he does a lot of the, the, the things that an actual action hero would yeah. do like you said uh but then the the stealth uh, segments with octavianus uh, he's like he's more of a pure character he hasn't yeah i don't think he has killed anybody like nope. <laughs> so he hides he yeah sneaks uses subterfuge yeah i want to know who is the octavianus of the dead rising world we have one i don't know Getting back to the uh, the localization of Dead Rising, um, I know you had some insight on some of the the naming conventions used, not just the yep. title of the game, but the sure. places and stuff. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how much you can say about that, sure. but it's like, so I, I mean, I, for one thing, there's like a there's a Chris Lips something. Yes, and that uh, I just want to put out there, that's the one that I didn't name. <laughs> oh really? I, I'm not vain enough to name yeah. something myself. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the vast majority of, of shop names are. Uh, say the majority, but they're named after people that were working at Capcom. Mm -hmm. they, you know, we took some of the, the Japanese people's names and uh, took the kanji in their last name and converted them over ah. to, to, to English. Uh, like Bridgestone like Tires. Yeah, there's like a Riverfield <laughs> Jewelry or something like that. That's for Kawano Sanko, oh, yeah. the director, things like that you'll find in the game. Um, there's a lot of, there's a ton of stuff to name in that game. Oh, yeah. So, the, the, the most others. And you got to remember, too, not just the names of stores, but things on the shelf. You know, we were dealing for the first time with an HD title. So the textures were legible. So oh. we couldn't just fudge like magazine covers and CD covers and posters and things like that. Wow. Um, so uh, Kiwata-san, the artist, and I worked really closely together to make sure that that kind of stuff made sense. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff you have to, to put on there. You have to make sure that nothing is, is trademark infringing. You have to do little crap out of everything. <laughs> legal check process. Um, a lot of the stuff in the game, if you go like the bookstores and the music store and things, um, I am a... Uh, unrepentant northeast ohioan uh so there's actually a lot of like weird cleveland and akron and summit county uh hometown references on a lot of the book titles and magazine covers wow. and music so any ohioans out there uh if you haven't played the original dead rising take a peek at some of the weird easter eggs uh, that wow. in there. Um, all the characters of course needed to be named as well all yeah. the survivors <clears throat> uh, many of those are uh, college roommates <laughs> or amalgamations of people that uh -huh. are in, in real life Nice. Real life people that other people on the organization team. <laughs> Man, I wonder if we have any Akron listeners. Let us know, guys. Comments. Is there? Do you have like a, a very? I don't know. Like we we have a lot of Midwesterners in the Capcom office, and some of my geography is not great. Some of them talk about this Mall of the Mall of America phenomenon. Yeah, it's in, uh, it's in Minnesota. Oh, is it just? Is it just one thing? It's one thing. Wow. I don't know, they might have some kind of sub-branch. Maybe it's a franchise now for all 
the thing with mall culture, not only it's not only limited to locale, but, but also time frame. Um, you know, Dead Rising was only what, not even ten, eight years ago or something. But in, in the intervening eight years, seven years, mm -hmm. nine years, I can't count. It's nine years. Uh, Just even in the intervening eight or nine years, however many years it's been, um, mall culture <laughs> is kind of on the decline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. The day, teenagers don't go to malls anymore. Yeah. Right. And most people who do, they, they show room it, right? They look at things they want and then they get on their, their smartphone yeah. and order it on Amazon and they leave. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally uh, you see the uh, Facebook post that's just galleries of like rundown malls. Yeah. And most, uh, at least one of the big ones is actually from Akron, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Acres Mall is a big one you see on the Huffington Post uh, wow. photo galleries. Um, so it, it kind of makes Dead Rising an interesting cultural yeah. artifact as well. 20, 30 years from now, it's a mall. <laughs> Get on their phone and order something. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, how perfect is it that it's just like this husk of, like in, in the game, it's this mm -hmm. zombified husk of yeah. a mall anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're actually so going mall, in that direction. mall itself is a zombie. The zombie, yeah, yes. Speaking, sure. yeah. okay. Culture is a zombie area. All right. <laughs> We're all just bees. <laughs> <laughs> Not the bees. That joke yeah. is dead too, by the way. Uh, no, that will never die. Okay. A zombie. Still every time, like, uh, you know, it's funny, like, just about every Capcom game ever fathomed has bees in it in some capacity. And every time I come across them, not the bees, the, huh, the lights have just gone out automatically. As you said, not the bees. Do we need to? I think we need to hit the button over there. It's not that. Stupid power saving. Anyway. Okay. We're still recording. Yes. Uh. Uh, Mega Man X3 has bees. Yes, and speaking of which, I'm going to go ahead and get into our little digital deals segment. Uh, we used to do this back in the day when we when we had a podcast. Nice <laughs> uh, segue, by the way. Speaking of bees, let's yeah. talk about digital deals. <laughs> um, no, Mega Man X3, man. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> yes, so digital deals, we used to call this digital deals with Greg and Goblins, and I say, why the hell not call that that still? Yes. Sentence. Again. So music, if you please. Thank you. Uh, so Xbox Live has a Deals with Gold thing going on this week. You can pick up Resident Evil Revelations and Resident Evil 4 HD for 66% off, wow. uh, which is that's a lot. So that means Revelations is just $13.59 and RE4 HD is $6.59. That's bupkis. Uh, and what better way to get in the mood for the upcoming Resident Evil remake, re-release, and Revelations 2? So why not? We also have uh, Mega Man 5 and 6 uh, from the NES available now on the Wii U eShop. Uh, they're already available, of course, on the 3DS one. Uh, and also, Mega Man X 3 and 4. No, just 3. Uh, no, oh, I, I wrote this wrong. Mega Man X 3 is out also on the Wii, Shop, Wii U eShop. And X 4 has come to PSN. Uh, X 5 is also on the way, so yay! That was a long time coming. I feel like Week one, working here, we were getting, uh, I, saw, I saw inquiries about X4 and 5, and here they are. Uh, also, as of today, which will be two days ago by the time anyone hears this podcast, uh, Street Fighter 2010, one of my all-time favorite NES games, uh, also out on the eShop. I think that's both 3DS and Wii U. Um, I should probably confirm that. It's actually a really good game. It gets a bum rap because it holds such it, a weird place. It's pseudo canon. It's so yeah. weird. It get it does get a bum rap because it's it's certainly not a Street Fighter game in any meaningful way. And uh, the fact that the protagonist was renamed in the Western release to Ken Masters, 
as though this is the this is what happens to Ken later in life, and not even that much later, just 2010. Yeah, and if, yeah 2010 is coming past, and no, no cyber suits, no. Space yeah, space yeah, space. it takes on a new. It's like historical fiction now, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's actually a very cool and well-designed game. You have uh, uh and we'll, we'll stream this on a Throwback Thursday soon. But uh, I just want to point out right away for anyone who picks that game up. Learn the backflip. That is the best thing about the game. There's a backflip with invincibility frames, and that is how the game is winnable. <laughs> so backflip if you get Street Fighter 2010. And that's all we got on the digital front. Um, okay. So that'll lead us uh, quite smoothly, I might add, into the community question. Uh, last uh, podcast, episode 12, we were talking about localization. We asked for your thoughts on localization. And a bunch of people replied. We had some. We have some people that are quickly becoming regulars of the community question forum. But uh, Kaboom says, "What has always impressed me in localized games is when there's an object that I'm not familiar with from a foreign culture, and instead of outright changing it to something instantly recognizable for the target or by the target audience, they use the dialogue and/or other cues to compare it to something that the target audience would be familiar with. That makes the object far more relatable without dumbing it down." Or dump, without dumbing down the experience, and it helps avoid any potential, quote, web of lies problems in the future. We talked about how localization often amounts to a web of lies that can create problems when series go on longer than they were first uh, planned out for. Mm. I think Okami does a good job of what Kaboom is Absolutely, about. yeah. I think Okami is kind of the, the golden standard in that sense, you know. E- even the na- calling it Nippon instead of uh, Japan, Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, People get it, and um, I think that's just—it's uh, a very classy way to give your audience credit. You yeah. know, it's—it's yeah. it's not that hard to learn a word. You just have to, you know. I mean, it's no different y- than playing a science fiction game where you're talking about non-existent technology. Exactly. Wacky names. I actually, yeah, I was thinking when I read that. You learn certain terms in any game. Totally. And I thought of the, the, the term Nephilim. I mean, some people might know Nephilim from DMC. I, I certainly didn't know the term until the game taught me it, and it took me oh. maybe five seconds to learn, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, and then uh, another user, Logan, also brings up sort of a, a counterpoint to that, which is uh, that sometimes a, a game won't localize something like a food name, and it can actually lead to confusion for the player if you don't have enough of an explanation. He, he talks about a game, I guess it's a more recent game, that uh, it doesn't localize the food names, but there's a, a food preparation mechanic, so you have to know the proper way to cook different foods, but uh, he says uh, the food example he gave was daigakuimo, which are like... Uh, uh, yeah, little college potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they call them that. I've always wondered about that. I remember hearing the explanation, but I, I've since forgot. I think they used to sell them, vendors sold them outside of uh, Tokyo University. Ah, uh, I see. So yeah, th- if, for those who don't know, daigakuimo is, it mean, literally means college potatoes. And it's uh, it's like these diced potatoes uh, that are kind of like tough. They're like tough diced potatoes with honey on them. Yeah, it's, a, it's a more of a desserty kind of sweet yeah. thing. Huh. Uh, and he says that, like the you know the game tasks you with properly preparing them, but it just says daigakuimo. So if you don't know that those are college potatoes, oh, or even if you do, you might not know how to prepare them. Uh, so that's Google. yeah. So you have to Google it. He said outside research was required. Oh, okay. Um, and then user Hero Cobain says, uh, talking about Mega Man, uh, he's asking why did we rename Clash Man Crash Man for the Western release? 
he says it seems funny that Japan blatantly put an L for it to become only f only for it to become an R. I would, I would question whether the L was deliberate to begin with. Yeah, to be and that's honest. that's just a weird thing. Uh, Japan, even in official media, you'll see the R L thing get mixed up all the time. He, I mean, he even brings up Doctor uh, Doctor Light being Doctor uh, Right. I don't know if they actually spell it out in the Japanese version or if it's just Daito, so it could be right. It could be Light. Right is actually is a last name, like Phoenix Wright. Light, I think, I mean, and who knows what their original intention was, but I, I feel like Dr. Light has more symbolic mm -hmm. uh, significance. Whereas, I mean, you could come up with something for Wright, too. Like, he's, he's just in, you know. The sort of the... LR discussion uh, always reminds me of PSP game I picked up um, after I picked up a PSP just to play Monster Hunter. Uh, realized there was a you know a great library of other little games, um, and then like there was a Loco Roco. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was and, and I understood it right away. Oh, L and R because those are the main two. Oh buttons. my god! I never ah. thought of that. Seriously, I never even thought of that. Loco. You're right. Wow. But <laughs> yeah, because you use the L and R buttons to. Yeah, that's the, that's you everything. know, you tilt left, you tilt right, and then... Have, that's so clever. Anyways. <laughs> you blew my the, mind. <laughs> the point is, uh, in, in the Japanese version, how do they... They would just say... The name would just be yeah. the same oh, thing oh, unless oh, you oh, read yeah. with English well, with Roman characters. Well, I think the, the, the logo and the title screen on the package was probably in luminized letters. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. I, I think I own the Japanese version of Yeah. Yeah. So and it, uh, that and I think the name is derived from Koro Koro, which means it's like the onomatopoeia for rolling. Ah. Um, wow. In Japan, they have lots onomatopoeias of, lots of mind blowing over here. <laughs> for things that don't make sounds. It's interesting. Um, I love uh, Kira Kira. Kira Kira. Yeah, it's yeah. like brightness. <laughs> yeah, sparkly. Sparkly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When it uh, when it comes to uh, you know like romanizing katakana uh -huh. names or you know, like Clash Man, Crash Man, or there's big controversy over Aerith or Eris. Oh, in yeah. Fantasy. Well, people need to understand, man, if something's originally written in Katakana, there is no right or wrong way to romanize that. And as yeah, you yeah. Take, I mean, it could be an S, an L could be an L, or it could be an R. It's really up to the original creator and, and the people writing that. There's, there's not a, a hard and fast right or wrong. Thing, so. Yeah, I, I actually brought up the point. I, re I replied to Hero Cobain before. I was like, you know, it, it could have been Clash Man, it could have been Crash Man, it could have been Clash Mun. You have no idea. It's true. You know, it's like, yeah. But, <laughs> they, you know, so I think they just had to use their judgment. Yeah. Or sometimes, I, I don't know, I, I hate to, like, bring this up as a as a potential scenario, but, um, you know, imagine you're a big, like, producer and you have to approve, like, I don't know, 20 games. And then here comes the question. It's like, oh, so is this an L and R? It's like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I have to sign this big yeah. budget production over here. Just do whatever. Yeah. Well, because when they so when they make a Japanese game and the Japanese game has English letters in it, they still are that that's for a Japanese audience, you know, and it doesn't so it doesn't really make a difference necessarily if they use an R or L because they're just gonna exactly. hear that da in their and head. A good anyway. example, one that I would actually probably consider a mistake. I don't know if I should even say that, but Rolento, it's supposed to be Laurent. Ah, R E N T. There's a there's a lot of those the like Final Fight names. They, they were very. Great uh, romanizations. Yeah, Katakana, on, so Andre ended up as Andore or Andor or whatever. Yeah, we, or Hugo <laughs> now. And uh, yeah, yeah. What's the other one? Um, there's a lot. There's a uh, oh Zangief. Yeah. It's uh, like t typically you would write out a Russian name like that with the V on the end, Zangief. Uh, but it's like this weird. I mean, in Russian, it's like this weird VF 
hybrid oh, sound. Yeah, yeah. So they just happen to write oh, a yeah, thing. Yeah, normally would be the, yeah, like Chekhov. Or, yeah, know, it's that. Um, but because of how they just whimsically happen yeah. to write it, it is forever more like and that changes how people yeah. see the name. Okay, so this week we ask you, the community, share your Dead Rising thoughts and memories. What do you like about the series? What don't you like about the series? Uh, your, you know, what was your, what are your earliest memories? What is special to you about it? Where would you like to see the series go from here, hypothetically? Uh, let us know in the discussion forum or in the comments on the podcast blog post. And that'll probably wrap it up for our Dead Rising stream. Just one last plug. Dead Rising 3 is out on the PC. Uh, and it runs beautifully, guys. So if you like fun PC games about zombies or whatever Dead Rising is really about, hmm. <laughs> you'll so probably like this one. What is it about? Uh, you'll find out more in my blog. Well, let's uh, go. Yes. I'm ready for this blog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, David, for being here. Thanks for having me. Yuri, I love you. Oh, my gosh. And thank you guys (laughs) for listening. See you in two weeks. Bye. Darlings, this is what you've been waiting for. (laughs) It's time for me to give you a little something. You know you want it. You know you want me. Makes you come back You're like a leaf That's dying to